So I think one of the first questions I'd ask them is, you know, what are the average size of their clients' portfolios? You know, give me the high and give me the low, not just the average. We need to know the outliers as well. So I, I'd want to know that they were comfortable with the size of my portfolio. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. Being a landlord can be tough. What makes your job easier is hiring professionals, aka property managers. Today, we are discussing all things related to vetting your property manager. But first, you know the drill. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. So on this show, you know that we educate our listeners about the benefits of investing in U.S. real estate and how to maximize cash flow. Cash flow is king in my world and should be king in your world as well. I only talk to successful real estate entrepreneurs who are absolutely killing it in their chosen businesses and have interviewed some incredible people and industry leaders and today is no different. Awesome content from awesome entrepreneurs, all with the intent to educate others. So let's get cracking and into today's show. Today, the entrepreneur in the hot seat is Linda Liberati. Uh, Linda is the owner and founder of Secure Pay One, a unique virtual property management assistant that helps real estate investors manage their properties across the United States. She's also an active real estate investor, and her portfolio includes single family, multifamily, commercial, and mixed use properties. Linda has a background as a certified trainer and project manager. She has performed a number of property management training sessions and over 1,000 workshops across. The United States. Linda recently released a new book called Daily Inspirations to Achieve Your Real Estate Investment Goals. Begin each morning focused on your real estate investments and management goals. She's currently working on her second book while active in over eight rears, both local and national memberships. Well, Linda, pretty inspiring stuff. G'day and welcome to the show. Oh, welcome. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on today. It's such an honor because you um, you just do such a good service uh, out there for all your listeners. I love the fact that you're trying to help the international uh, investor. And I think that's really, really key. Really, uh, It's a unique market to help them and there's not enough people out there doing it. Yeah, well, as they, as they say, niche till it hurts, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, Linda, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, can you tell us something that most people might not know about you unrelated to being such a successful real estate entrepreneur? Uh, well, I would say, I, I, I tell you the truth, I don't share it often, <laughs> but I have a pretty strong morning routine myself. I, I make it uh, my business, if you will, <laughs> my daily business. Um, to do exercises, to read something, and to journal a little bit every day. So needless to say, that puts me a couple hours ahead of everybody waking up in order for me to get into And I also, because I own my own business, I'm always the first one here as well. <laughs> so I have a pretty early start in the morning. Nice. Nice. What time are you up and about of a morning? Uh, 3.45 a.m. Wow. Got to be up. Wow, wow, I wow. know. I, that's why I said I don't share that with a lot of people. 
<laughs> I guess I just did, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, are you uh, an early to bed type of gal? Uh, well, I have to be. Yes, yes. Sure. Um, I always probably lean that way anyway, but even more so, I find to really. It's been about four years now that I've had a morning routine, and and then the funny part about the morning routine, it's gotten earlier and earlier, which of course makes the bedtime get earlier and earlier because. It's almost like the more stuff you realize you could get done when, you know, like the exercise and the journal, it's like almost the more you do then because you realize, wow, this is a powerful time for me. Right. And it, and it helps you start the day off on the right foot, correct? Like it's just, I'm a morning person. I'm not as early as that, but I do, I'm I definitely a 5.30 a.m. up and about and uh, just love, love just tackling the day for head on uh, first thing in the morning. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I don't know if you go to any type of uh, health club. That's the place that will make you feel like you're not the only one abnormal and up. At, you you know you walk in there, it's like walking into an airport when you have that early flight. Exactly. You know you're tiptoeing through your dark house, and then you walk through the airport, and and in the place is a buzz. You know it's kind of the same thing with the health club. You know that reminds you that. You are not the only one doing an early routine. Exactly, exactly. So, Linda, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, um, everyone does love hearing about the success of the of my entrepreneurs who come on the on the guests, the entrepreneurs, you know, the, the industry leads. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on your background and how you got involved in real estate investing? Well, I started um, years back, actually part time. I had uh, just had, I believe it was my second child. I have three daughters. And I was just looking to, I'll call it being an entrepreneur. My husband had worked full-time, had benefits. So I was just looking to, I'll say, get busy, get active. I had left a full-time job after I had my children. So I got involved with a real estate investor that was had some personal reasons for starting her, I'll say, portfolio. And the rest was kind of history. I got involved with the technology and the project management, I'll call it during the day, if you want to say that I, you know, I spun into teaching like productivity classes at like large national organizations, Motorola. I know it's not big today, but it was very big then, you know. Um, and so anyway, I did was doing all these classes in the day and then I was working with her on the real estate I'll call it part-time. So that's kind of what got me started. She was very inspirational and still is to this day. She's still a partner in a lot of, of my real estate. Awesome. Awesome. And so I sp- explained at the beginning of the show that you're, sounds like you're uh, quite abroad, a few different asset classes. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about, you know, single family, multifamily, mixed use? Like what are you, what's your flavor this month? What do you like? What are you looking for right now? Well, I, I really would tell you right now from, I'll call it kind of the most recent reports on, you know, the state of the union, if you will, I think single family is, uh, I'll call it kind of the safest if you're, you know, especially since you're talking to investors from abroad. I think that, you know, with the advent of not knowing what's going to happen with interest rates, um, we're seeing the multifamilies, you know, putting more and more on the market. Uh, it's probably one of the safer bets. Um, they're talking about still commercial use. You know, the average square foot per worker is is still way down, you know, compared to what it once was. So I'd have to say, you know, there's still really strong areas still for multifamily. So I wouldn't say that I'd rule that out. 
Um, but depend, you know, it, it, that's a loaded question. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just really depends on your investor, you know, sure. especially coming from, you know, internationally. Broad. Exactly. And so that sort of segues into the, you know, the topic of today's show. People love buying U.S. real estate. They love coming here. But one of the biggest questions I get asked a lot of times is how do I vet a property manager? You know, and, and let's face it, the property manager is probably the most important team member to any investor, whether you're investing, you know, in your backyard or investing across state lines or you're investing internationally. So Linda, with all your experience in real estate investing, what specific questions do you like to quiz your potential property manager when you're conducting interviews to make sure that they're worth their weight in gold? Well, I, I think one of the things I, when you start that, I, I really thought about these questions because I think it's really, really important, especially internationally. But as you said, they can make or break you locally. So I think one of the first things I'd want to know is whatever the size, I'll say, of your portfolio is, is that something they're accustomed to? You know, so I think one of the first questions I'd ask them is, you know, what are the average size of their clients' portfolios? You know, give me the high and give me the low, not just the average. We need to know the outliers as well. So I, I'd want to know that they were comfortable with the size of my portfolio. Now, that being said, I'm, I don't know, I'm a very hands-on type of person. So I will always give everybody a chance, if you will, but they'd have to give me, you know, I'll say client references. That would be my second thing. I don't think enough people actually call those references. I see that in my world. Uh, I'm always, when someone calling me, I'm always stressing to them. I really want them to talk to my references. For one thing, in the world of real estate, that's just another networking call. It can't hurt you to know to know that person anyway when you're done with the call it's just going to be a valuable connection for you but when you're talking to a reference if you're a good talker I'll say a good networker you're going to get into asking questions that obviously the the property management company couldn't predict and you're going to find out really about that person I'll say in a very good way I have you know, what I consider an excellent reputation, I would say, you know, call any one of my references, you know, could we have ever made a mistake? Absolutely. You know, I'm not saying they would ever say we're mistake free, but I think any one of them would tell you if there was ever a mistake, we did more than our share to correct it, you know? So we're, we're definitely, uh, we're very sensitive to the fact that when people invest, there's a lot on the line. And I think you need to look for that in a management company, especially internationally. They need to understand your financial issue, just what this means to you. Is it just extra money that you're playing on the market? Or, you know what I mean? Is it where you're growing your portfolio and you're still in a growth mode and every successful building counts, you know? Right, right. No, I, I think that's... You touched on some really important points there. One was pulling references or asking for references and then following up with that. But the first one was understanding the experience. And I think that's very, very key. Uh, and, and you also then touched a little bit on on the, are you taking or how seriously are you taking this real estate investing? Because a lot of people do just like want to dabble in the market, right? They just, oh, here's $50,000 right. or $100,000 and they don't take it seriously enough. And that's on the, inve that's the investor's fault. And then because they don't take it seriously enough, they then may not 
go through the checks and balances that you should go through, that everyone should go through, regardless of where you are in your portfolio. If you're just starting out or you're, you know, buying your hundredth, you know, single family property, right? So yeah, I, I think that's some some incredible stuff. Talk to me a little bit about eviction laws here in the United States, because a lot of international investors don't understand eviction. You know, if you get into troubles with your tenant, you want to get them out, they're not paying. So what do you like to look for when you're, you're going into a new market or going into a new area and you want to quiz your property manager and say, hey, how do you get someone out of my property if, if it becomes an issue? Right, absolutely. And in fact, I'm going to just say that I was almost going to add that to questions that I would ask oh, of sure a potential yep. property manager. So yes, I was going to say you'd want to know how comfortable they feel with the legal process, which leads us right into this question. Because that legal process, if we just back it up a little bit, um, that legal process really starts on the day you sign the lease, Right. Because mistakes made at the time you sign the lease in certain markets will 100% backfire on the eviction process. I can share with you a, a most recent story that would really kind of clarify that. Depending on where they're investing in the United States, um, and this really, I would say more than the United States, within a state, depending on where they're investing within a state, those laws can vary. So here, I'm out of the Chicago area, uh, based out of the Chicago area. So we have some investors that are in the Chicago market versus what I'll call, you may not be familiar, but different counties. So that's Cook County, Chicago laws. So not only is it Cook County laws, it's Chicago laws. And then I work with people in Lake County, McHenry County, which are outlying suburbs to Chicago. There is what a probably approximately a 10 page document specifically that speaks to the rental tenant um, ordinance on what the rights are of a tenant in Chicago. And that's above and beyond all the other laws. Well, in the case of Chicago, if you go into the uh, eviction court, so you went, you went ahead, somebody didn't pay you and you go into the eviction court, there are what they term free attorneys that represent the tenant and and I say and I I put the quotes around the word free because they will get paid for by the landlord if the landlord loses the case right so they have a really good incentive to want to win that case right because then they get paid <laughs> and and they get paid in some cases three times the security deposit for a mistake that was made when the lease was written so very minor things like, um, did you hand out the uh, lead-based paint disclosure? Well, the landlord, if they can't prove it by having initials on the lease, the landlord may have done everything right, or I should say the property manager, sorry. <laughs> the property manager may have done everything right, but if they didn't get those initials on it, uh, they're going to lose in court. So getting to eviction what do I want to see from my property manager is, first of all, they're very aware of the laws in their area. I would want to know, have you been through an eviction? Do you have, a, a, I'll call it, an internal network of legal, legal resources? So, for instance, one of the things you said when you introduced me is we're in over eight different RIAs as well as national memberships. Uh, I would tell you, from a property management standpoint, I think that's huge. If I was looking, so I guess I'll add that back to my list on, of questions of how active are they? 
because you know truly read you know in the short time probably you've done uh the podcast right in in the short amount of years you know it's not like 50 years you've seen changes right you've seen changes um and you've seen education let's say just by talking to somebody on the phone you learn something new well if they're not like out there and aware you know right now one of the meetings i went to there uh the illinois association of realtors is trying to fight you know part of that law in regards to uh, you know just how much the judge has to say i don't want to get into it too detailed but my point is that changes all the time. That's really my point. So make sure that they know those laws because it's not the time of eviction that's going to hurt you. It's really from the day they started that lease. And then to double up on that, if you're screening them, um, ask them what their policy is. I, I know in my case, and I would say, I would assume, I guess, some of the property managers, they should have like a process in place of when they pass out those legal documents, um, how quickly they they do that does count. Well, and it counts to you, the investor, in dollars and cents of how many days of rent you'll lose through this process. So there's some um, states that are more liberal. I know in the Atlanta area, it's a it's a much easier process to evict than it is in the Chicago area, let's say, and the Lake County area is easier than Chicago. Uh, but that being said, it's that local. So depending on which state they're going to, definitely they'd want to get a feel from that property manager. Uh, how are the laws and, and are you aware of them? And are you you know going to be in tune with them from the day you, you, know, you do the lease? Right, right. I think that was um, you touched on some really good points there again as well is because being aware of where you are in the United States and for all those listeners out there, um, what essentially what Linda was is saying that you got to make sure that from their experience they understand the local laws and then they understand that they're writing the tenant uh, tenant lease correctly because it's on the back end right Linda that you're going to get hurt uh, and then also having a procedure in place or understanding a procedure that you know what's going to happen okay they haven't paid by the tenth of the month what's what's next what are you doing and understanding those procedures um, so what do you you know in your properties Linda does your does your property manager send out a letter saying, hey, you haven't paid by the X day of the month, um, you know, here's your eviction notice or what, what, what sort of, what, how do they go through their eviction process? Well, again, we assist them with that. And what I would say is we do, uh, and I would look for this, actually, I'd say I'd look for this in a property manager. Oh, one of the other things I would do, and this ties into my answer, is tech, you know, what technology are they using? Because the technology will help them expedite the whole process, Right. So I would say, in addition to how quickly will they get out those forms, is um, do they have like, I'll call it kind of a touch system in place? We refer to it as a touch system. So we're sending an email prior to the payment date. We're sending in some markets uh, a postage paid return envelope if they're in kind of a non-banking community, I'll say. Again, depending on the geographics of the area. And then you have, let's say, automatic debits. Uh, so we're you'd look for somebody, you should be looking for a management company that offers as many different payment options as possible, the technology to record them, and then lastly, the technology that will issue those notices. So that, um, for instance, most of the technologies will issue auto emails when the, uh, let's say the fifth or the 10th day has been passed. 
they should be getting an automatic notice. I would look for that management company to also be placing calls um, because not that the reason will matter, um, but it's important to document that reason so that, you know, that same a family member that passed away can't be used every month, right? You gotta, you don't wanna make sure that's all documented. And then lastly, um, again, depending on where they're investing in the United States, serving that notice might mean somebody physically going to their door and serving it. <clears throat> and if that's the case, that's an expense as well. Um, they may have somebody on staff that goes around on the 10th of the month and delivers those documents, um, but, one of the things we talk about, too, is during that, like I'll call it pre-screening process when you're bringing in a new tenant, is that's a great time for that conversation. It's kind of like right before you get married, you know, <laughs> and you go through and you don't have, let's say, any financial issues. And you talk about, well, what would we cut if there was financial issues? And to see what if you both agree. I would say that same process is let's talk up front about if you were to lose a job or whatever, what are our expectations going to be? And again, depending on the size and style of what they're investing in, for most people, there's a no excuses policy. That's that's You want to reach out to your families, your friends, charitable organizations, if you can't pay the bill. But read is not your you know savings and loan. He cannot extend you credit, um, you know, to cover you for this month, you know. So it, it, it's really a great topic. We even have investors that in certain areas we go ahead and offer like uh, the charitable, you know, you can look it all up online. What are the charitable, charitable organizations that will contribute to rent if it truly is a sincere one-time event? Most uh, charitable organizations will help. If it's just, you know, you lost your job, well, then, you know, you've got to make other arrangements. Right. No, that's in, that's so, so true. And some very, very key points, there. making sure you're hitting those people up straight away and asking them, you know, the question, the hard questions that maybe your property manager or and you as the investor don't need to ask them, but your property manager needs to be asking um, uh, the tenants when they're screening them, you know, what's going to happen in, in a bad time? Um, Linda, what other types of screening mechanisms do you like to see the property manager employ on tenants to make sure you're getting good quality tenants in your property because let's face it again good tenants if you have long you know lasting tenants who treat the property well you know you're going to have less deferred maintenance you're going to have less uh, turnover costs so so what are the other sort of um, mechanisms you like to see uh, a property manager employ well i think that we're in a what i'll call it kind of a social media world we're in a very unique time where there's a lot of people that share a lot of information <laughs> online. So some of the, I'll call it the craziest things come up when people don't do that, I'll say pre-screening. So as simple as putting Reed's name in Google and finding out the feedback, more or just as importantly as putting Reed's name in Facebook um, to find out what he's posting. I mean, we've had just crazy stories where, you know, somebody signs a lease for no dog. Uh, the next day there's a dog showing up on social media, right? Like they don't think that through. They really don't. So it's like, yeah, check that social media up front for sure. There's, there's information to be gathered there. If you can get some type of, and sometimes this isn't always practical, but if that property management company could do some type of um, inspection of their existing property 
to see how it's, if it's being well kept, maybe even a drive by, um, you know, again, that it's very unique depending on if they're doing single family, multifamily, but, um, you know, of course the credit checks, I guess that goes without saying, uh, TransUnion now has that smart move. Uh, that's a great tool that allows the uh, tenant themselves to put it in their information. They pay for that credit check and it automatically gets sent to the manager. That That's one that's becoming more and more popular. TransUnion is one of the big three credit bureaus in the United States. So that that's a great tool that they came out with. There's also a, um, you'll have to correct me on this one, I believe it's called Rent Reporters, that's allowing a tenant to, I'll say voluntarily want to, you know, rent is one of the few things that doesn't appear by default on a credit bureau. So if you go to this rent reporters and you say, I want my rent to appear, uh, you get charged like maybe $10 a month and that, that rent then becomes a line item for their credit bureau. That's a really great screening tool to offer that because it will kind of tell you up front, you know, what type of tenants you're getting. Somebody that's very interested in building their credit is generally a great tenant, right? Because that means they have long-term goals of owning a home, you know, and whether, right, exactly. They realize the value of paying on time and want to get credit for it. Awesome, awesome. So Googling, Facebooking, and getting, making sure you get a credit score. I think they're pretty three pretty awesome uh, takeaway pieces of advice for all the listeners out there because it's very, very important to understand the process. Um, and, and, and I want to add that you know you don't want to be doing this, vetting this property manager on every single tenant they get in. You want to be doing it upfront when you're vetting and you're, you're, you're interviewing for property managers in a new market, right? Linda, it's not like you're looking over their shoulder every 30 seconds or every time a, a new tenant comes involved, right? Right, absolutely. I should take that up to the higher level and say you want to know maybe the tips I'm sharing are, in other words, these should be part of the conversation you're having. You don't have to ask, you know, do you do Facebook or do you just ask them what their screening process is. Because you should know that they should have a, a good grasp of, again, current trends, current technology. How are they using that? Even in, when we talked about the eviction process, are they using a technology that assists them in getting out the legal notices? You know, Are they using a service? Those are the checklist of questions I'd be asking them. And, and more importantly, if you could, asking their references, because then you have real world stories that they could share you with you where they, you know, hit a home run for them. Oh yeah, or existing landlords, right? You could call up existing yep. landlords if and sometimes it's hard to come by depending on what type of asset class you're investing in, but you know, if you're in class B, C+, it's pretty easy to get a landlord references. Um a lot of things that I see as being from international investment point of view of and even investing out of state is when people buy out of state or internationally uh, here in the United States, they've got a property. Uh, the the land the property manager says, oh, there needs to be some. Uh, the tenants moved out. We need to put in four thousand dollars worth of of stuff, you know, uh, upgrades or whatever it might be. How do I know as a as a landlord as an investor that I'm not getting ripped off by the property manager um, for their general contractor to go in there and do the work? Well, I think Reed, I personally think that it wouldn't be too much. Depend again, depending on your investors, I'll call it income level and interest in the process. I'd want to see copies of those documents. 
I'd want to see some copies. I mean, you know, now it's again, very simple. It's a PDF. It's not like it's overbearing tasks to say, I'd like to get an idea of what we're going to be doing. Can you send me some pictures before and after, um, you know, at, at each um, venture, you should be knowing that they're at least looking for different ways to save money. And those are good, again, reference questions. When they give you the reference, I would ask them, have you been through a rehab? Have they taken the building and rehabbed it? How did you feel about it? Did you feel that the, you know, the costs were on market? Costs right now have gone up you know, for the rehabs for certain. Um, and so that's a trending thing, but knowing your areas and knowing where they're doing this work, you should have, they should be able to, they should be able to gladly provide you some instances of what they've spent in the past on doing some rehab work. No, yeah, I, I do agree. I'm actually going through um, a little bit of an issue on one of my duplexes. It's a little bit harder <laughs> getting, it's like getting blood out of a stone. They, uh, they're not as forthcoming with the, with the photos. But again, it's uh, some stuff I've got to deal with on my end, but it, I'm going through it right now and it can be tough. Um, and I want to add one thing that all the international investors out there listening, if you are buying something that is worth $50,000 or you know, let's say less than $100,000 and the rent on that property is maybe 800 bucks, the property manager may take, I don't know, maximum 10%. So if they're taking, I don't know, say it's, I don't know, say it's $800 a month, they may be taking 80 bucks out of that for, you know, their fee. So for $80, Correct. they're not doing like, they're not incentivized that well to do a great job. You know, I just want to like put that in context, if that makes sense. Linda, do you have any comments on that? Like, have you seen any experience with that where it's a lower end housing project or an investment they're not getting their property management fee isn't huge. So I've butted heads with my property managers a few times about like, hey, I'm paying you money. And they're like, well, look, you only get I'm only get collecting a, you know, right. a thousand bucks off you a year, you know, you know, and right. it becomes an issue, right? So so how do you yeah. like to approach that? Well, and I think that's a really good point. Cause I think, you know, let's say there's a case to be made for, for both sides, right? Because he's a bit he's a businessman and he's saying, you know, my business, uh, you, you are not generating my bottom line, but here, here's where my butt would come on that. That goes back to tell the, one of the very first questions we asked is what was the average size of the portfolios they're handling? And so if they're handling ones with, let's just use in the opposite extreme, that they are a thousand units and they're a much bigger investor then you may want to, you know what I mean? You may want to do a little more shopping to, to find that mid-market manager because there's ones out there, you know what I mean, that aren't just dealing in the numbers. And that being said, I would also say to them, you know, then why did you take it on? So if it was only an $80 a month job, then, well, obviously somebody thought that $80 was contributing to your bottom line because enough $80 people you know, and then that becomes kind of the philosophy of that management company. If they're all about these really large buildings, that could be, you know, a discrepancy you want to look for. Horses for courses, right? You don't want to be getting a, a multifamily property manager involved in a single family, uh, small $70,000 property and vice versa, right? So you want to be getting, making sure that the property manager suits the type of asset class you're investing in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Linda, talk to me a little bit about your secure one pay and how that can help people. Because I was very interested to hear when, when you reached out to me and we had a discussion offline about exactly how it works and how it could benefit international investors or even interstate investors here in the United States. 
Yeah, we work with, I'll call it almost a, a tri-stool effect, right? <laughs> so we work with investors that um, usually have like what I'll call a really savvy real estate agent. And that agent helped them acquire the property and maybe will also be leasing the property for them. And then that agent, though, does not want to, I'll call it, manage the day-to-day. So it really becomes almost a partnership of, again, that stool effect where they have a strong uh, leasing agent. They have us on the back end with the management and the technology and for the month-to-month, day-to-day. And then they have a strong uh, general contractor or repair uh, service. Usually it's a general contractor because it's also the person that's doing, I'll call it the rehab when they buy something, you know, really low, they rehab it up. Then he has usually uh, many contacts for those smaller day-to-day maintenance issues. So then we, we almost form that team, if you will, um, to support that investor if they are from, you know, a lot of times in our case, they're out of state. I have some that have now moved, um, you know, they're in Spain. I have another one in Italy. Um, so some of the investors have maybe been in the United States and moved back. Or in the case of Spain, he's out there for X number of years. So he does come back and forth. Um, so we do work with that. We work with um, out-of-state investors a lot. They, you know, As you know, the term that you used earlier with the turnkey, um, there's companies that are turnkey companies that could a lot of times will look to use a management company like ours um, to help support that issue, you know, help support them. They're they're more interested in the acquisition, you know, they're more interested in helping the client, I should say, at the acquisition and rehab level to get that property, and but they're not really um, as interested in that month-to-month, day-to-day. So we're kind of taking care of what I'll call the uh, incidental things that, um, as we said, could very <laughs> meaningfully... Um, you know, wreak havoc on cash flow if they're not being watched after diligently, right? Right, right, right. right. So do you have people on the ground, boots on the ground, to make sure that uh, your systems are being implemented correctly on those properties? So, you know, we talked about earlier in the show about how making sure that payment notices are being sent out. Maybe someone has to drive by the property if it comes to that point. So how do you, where do you fit in that spectrum of, between boots on the ground and just being sort of the oversight of, of acquisitions, rehab, uh, and making sure your due diligence is done? Well, we're, we're uh, consider us, if you can envision more of, I'll call it the communication center. So we're getting in those calls and we're dispatching the boots on the ground. And so that where we're dispatching them, again, will be somewhat dependent, will be very dependent on which landlord and what relationship they have. So, for instance, I have that California investor. I use that example. Her investment property is in Atlanta. So any call that comes in, her or I will not physically see the problem. But the boots on the ground in that case is the GC or general contractor. He'll be out there. He'll take pictures of everything. He'll send everything back. And then she ultimately will make the decision on, you know, how do we proceed with that repair? where we'll, we'll be serving as the communication center and documenting that whole thing. So we'll be the ones storing all those pictures, putting it in the software. So we're very good with the technology end, the reminder end, 
We'll handle, uh, we do a lot of text messages. That's really big now for tenants. Um, it's, it's the common equalizer, if you will. You know, at one time when we started, not everybody, let's say, had a computer. Well, everybody has a cell phone, so you can communicate to the tenant, to the repair teams, so you can dispatch a lot. And I feel that it's really important to do it through text because it documents that process. It documents when we got the call. It documents when we reacted. And so from our point of view, and this would be important in shopping for a manager, is that whole process should be transparent. In fact, let's rewind way back to the beginning. That would be one of the things you'd be looking for, depending on how hands-on as an international investor, if they're using the right software, you should be able to log in and, and really basically see the process because they should be able to provide you a login to see. All, and when I say see the process, see all the documentation, see that the payments are posted, uh, what maintenance repair. So if they're using any sophisticated software that's out there for property management, they should have the ability to give you a login and watch that process. No, that's that's so true. And I use it a lot of my properties or my property managers use different software programs out there. I log in, I can see the rents have been paid. Um, if you know exp uh, property maintenance has been done, that's taken out of there. Any sort of monthly expenses that I see, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, in the summer, lawn lawn maintenance. You know, I pay 50 bucks sure. a month on lawn maintenance. I can see those hit the, that line item and then it sort of subtracts it all from the rent and it, then he deposits it in my, in my account. Um, and and that's another question that we can, we can probably talk on for hours and hours and hours. But in my scenario, my actual property manager on, on some of my smaller deals uh, deposited, deposits the check into the bank himself, which is takes takes manual time, but I'd prefer him just to do it online or some other way. But because he receives checks, he just goes in all at once and deposits them. Uh, I have had issues with that because it, because he's depositing so many checks, it can get you know, go into the wrong account. And I'm saying, well, where's the, where's the rent for this month in, in this account? And it doesn't show up. But that's something you could work through with your property manager if there's a better way. Um, and as you just sort of just said, not everyone has a bank account from on the tenant side. So it's hard to do that. So it's just trying to make a, a bridge between the two two worlds, right? I, I definitely, you and I both are very active online and, and all about, you know, social media and all about having technology. And some of our tenants may not be that so much and, and our property manager needs to act in the middle. Um, very interesting stuff in terms of what you do with Secure One um, Secure Pay One. Uh, what I wanted to uh, ask you was that so you could nearly, we could nearly not have a property manager if we had you in the middle, right? And we just had the general contractor on the ground who would deal with any emergencies. And that's sort of it, right? You know, that would be the communication, right? That is it. That is it. So for smaller investors, definitely they find us a solution as a going to full, um, if they have, like you just described, if they have a strong GC, uh, somebody on the ground, boots on the ground, you know, it can be their, <laughs> it can be their family member. All, we enter all that in the software, and then as long as they have a strong leasing agent, okay. So it allows those that are a little bit smaller that want to stay in control of the process, they're a little bit more in control as opposed to just giving it to, um, uh, you know, a full prop, full service property management. So, you know, there's just two different places where people are, and you know, we fill one need. No, no, that's and, a, I think it's an important need. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and going back to that payment, when you talked about the different payments, I would say that would be another good question is how many days until that money goes to the account. 
because one thing that we do is we deposit all checks daily. We use an electronic machine. Um, as you said, we're about the technology, but they all get the same day they're received. They're scanned. Pictures are taken of all of them. They go into what I'll call our clearing account, and then they get distributed to each owner on the third business date. And that's, you know, according to banking laws on how quickly they clear it. If they could clear it quicker, they could get it quicker. But I think that is a very key question, and I, I forget about that one because we have such a, I'll call it rigid process, that it, it really can hurt a smaller investor who has mortgages due. Maybe they have association payments, et cetera. Depending on where they are in the process, they have to know up front to build up a little cash flow because, you know, certain, you know, certain times of the month or let's say we're coming up on holidays. If people are a little slow and then the banking process, if they don't have a tight banking process where they're depositing right away, that could put somebody under a little financial stress, you know. Yeah, 100%. Build up that sort of buffer in your account to account for the rainy days or the winter days, mm -hmm. as they say, particularly up yeah, in Chicago, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly, particularly. Yeah, exactly. So, Linda, with all your experience investing here in the United States, I know you're primed to give me your top four investing tips. You ready to get into it? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to give them up and ready. All right, let's do it. I think you might have already explained this, but what is the daily habit you like to practice to keep on track towards your goals? Oh, I, did, I definitely did explain that a little bit. Um, I do a little bit of exercise. I definitely keep up on education, you know, a little bit of journaling. Just education is key. Networking and education, that you have to. And I'm involved with a lot of places. And, and I would say volunteer if you could. Yeah. You know? Give back, you know, give give back education um, and make sure you're out there taking action. So I definitely think they're the awesome steps that everyone should take, be doing every single day. Uh, what's the Who is the most influential person in your career to date? Well, are we going now here? Are we going personal or just real estate? Because I could, could give be, both. You give both. Both sounds great. Give both. Okay. I'm going to go back to um, my own dad. He had a really strong work ethic. Um, he's gone now. I wish he could be here. Um to enjoy this, uh, but he had a really, really strong work ethic every single day, long before technology. <laughs> he was very well networked, and um, I thank him. And of course, I would think that first investor that I worked with, um, she is still instrumental in my life. Awesome stuff. I'm. Uh, it's surprising a lot of people come on this show and uh, attribute their success to their parents. So uh, it's got something. It's got to say something, right? <laughs> Yes, right. <laughs> uh, what's For the, sure. What's the most influential tool in your real estate business? I know you'd have to have one. You're all about technology. So, so what's your most influential tool? I would definitely say it would be the technology tools. I use a combination. I would say I love uh, the suite of Google Apps. Mm -hmm. I think most people don't even realize the value that's there. There's Google Forms. There's just so many different things. Like Google Forms can be used to build pretty much any form you need. Uh, there's just a whole suite of capabilities there most people aren't aware of. Awesome stuff. And final question is, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Oh, they can get me via email. So it would be Linda L. So it would be L-I-N-D-A-L at, and then we spell it out, securepay1.com. And so that's three words, and the one is spelled out. So S-E-C-U-R-E-P-A-Y-O-N-E dot com. 
Perfect. Well, Linda, thank you so much for dropping by and having uh, chatting with us. You've provided some absolutely incredible information on this show. I just want to quickly recap on uh, on what we discussed and talking about the different types of vetting processes you have to you know quiz your property manager about when you're getting them involved in your boots on the ground team, making sure that you understand the eviction processes, making sure you understand their processes in terms of how they're going to get the tenants out and also the state laws and how that might apply to you. Uh, in terms of a general contractor, ask to see you know, uh, invoices, ask to see pictures, ask to see different things that they're going to make sure that the property manager is on the hook. And lastly, you know, check out Linda's uh, Secure One Pay because it, it sounds like an incredible system there to absolutely uh, help manage your international investments if you are thinking about buying here in the United States. Linda, did I keep, miss anything that uh, in that summary? No, I just, I really can't thank you enough. I think you're doing such a service. I really think that the scariest part of investing is just getting started. It's developing relationships and find, and that's what I'd say that they have to find the manager that fits their mode, you know, answers their questions and it's it's just great. You're doing a great, great service. Well, thank you so much. And I really do think that this episode is going to be downloaded a lot because you have provided some incredible, incredible takeaway pieces of advice. But thanks for dropping in and chatting with us. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another great episode jam-packed with just so much awesome investing advice and actionable steps. Honestly, Linda provided you guys with some incredible takeaway pieces of advice. And, you know, just to, as I said, I quickly want to just, we already recapped it up, but guys, re-listen to that show because that is jam-packed full of really, 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 really valuable advice if you are an international investor looking to vet your property manager. Those processes that she talked about, eviction processes, GCs, understanding how you're going to get paid, the processes that the property manager has in place if they have to evict a person is so, so key. Make sure you're all over it. Re-listen to this. It's going to be an incredible episode. And then reach out to Linda because she has got an awesome online system that helps make that, you know, that management process a little bit easier. I hope this episode has inspired you to take some massive action and start investing in US real estate. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Linda. And you can go to my website and click on rsmpropertygroup.com. Just remember to click on the podcast tab. Whilst you're there on my website, sign up for my newsletter. You can keep up to date with all the deals we're working on and all the wine and cheese networking events I host in downtown LA. Now, remember, if you are in the LA area and you want to hook up for lunch, coffee, a beer, whatever it might be, just shoot me an email at read at rsnpropertygroup.com. Just let me know when you're coming into town and I'm sure we'll be able to hook up pretty easily. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge is because that's what we're all about on this show, continuing to grow your financial IQ. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter by searching Reed Goosens. Tweet at me and I'll always tweet back. If you do like this show, please take five minutes out of your day just to jump online and give the show a five-star review. It's simple, it's quick, it's easy, and it shows iTunes that we're providing some incredible content and you guys are valuing that content. We're going to do this all again next week, guys. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.